1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 386 of the Battery Power Podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. It is Sunday, January 29th, deep into the evening here in Atlanta, and I am joined, as I often slash always am, by Scott Coleman. Hello, sir.
2: What's going on, Brad? Had a really good sports weekend, and we are just a couple of weeks out now from spring training, so it is definitely an exciting time.
1: Yeah, I will say it might be a little bit of a shorter episode today. There isn't like a ton going on, but there's a little bit of news we'll get it to. And as you just said, pitchers and catchers report for the Braves in like two and a half, three weeks. So we're we're almost there. Um, you and I are recording this after the back-to-back NFL games today. So uh lots of drama in the sports world. And uh we should plug at the top of the show also a uh, it's definitely a big week for battery power as our prospect list came out. Neither you nor I contribute to that, probably smartly for everybody involved. But our prospect guys, led by Garrett and the whole minor league crew, came out with their top 25 plus honorable mentions and great write-ups. And I've said for years, staying back to Eric and you know, for a long time, a long time, we do a great job at Battery Power on the prospect side and it's one of our best features in my mind i learn from all those prospect lists so i would encourage everyone to go ahead and read those click through that and especially right now because as you and i talked about last week even uh the system not being as strong makes it almost more interesting to kind of read about these guys that honestly i don't know much about like most of the players that were highlighted if i'm just being candid in this safe space so uh read that
2: i would say yeah yeah the I would say the upside talent is now very much in the lowest levels of the minor leagues. Um, and as we know, the Braves have been very willing to dip into AAA and even A to help reinforce the big league roster, especially in the middle of the seasons. But right now, for all of those reasons we listed out last week, and we encourage anyone to go back and listen to that show, it's still very relevant um, but the, uh, there's not a ton of talent in the system, but, uh, the good news is the big league team is in really good shape. And I did like the way the the draft went last summer, as well as some of these international kids who they signed. It's nice to be able to be active again on the, on the free agent market.
1: For sure. And we're going to talk about, um, the big league club of course on this podcast today uh, if you missed it also there was a a, a discussion between Sean and I believe it's Matt Powers at the end of the week on the same podcast feed about the international draft so uh, and so all the signings that happened there and all that stuff so read that listen to that etc. And we thank you for listening to this podcast as well. Um, we're going to dive in to the news now at the top and there is one big piece of news uh, that we'll talk to t- touch on in a second, but there was one sort of auxiliary piece of news, at least from the Braves side, and that's that Dana Brown's taking the Astros job as the GM. That was kind of out there last week, but now it's official. Obviously, a loss for the Braves. It's more of an impact for the for the Astros, obviously, but Dana Brown's been with Alex Anthopoulos for a long time and he's very well respected. So uh, definitely a hit to the Braves front office. I'm not sure how much of an impact that is actually going to make it probably and we honestly probably won't know for a little while but anytime you lose a respected you know high-level executive not a great thing for the organization
2: no it's not and I would remind folks that while losing Dana Brown is definitely a loss before Dana Brown the Braves were replacing Brian Bridges who was John Capolella's right-hand man and had some of those awesome drafts getting guys like Austin Riley and Mike Soroka. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's certainly a loss for the organization. Dana Brown is very deserving of the position in Houston. Um, and and just like in other sports, I think the NFL in particular, whenever you are a successful organization year after year, as the Braves have been the brain drain hits, you lose front office talent, you lose, maybe not coaches as much in baseball as in other sports, but teams want to pull from successful organizations and the Braves definitely fit the mold right now. Yeah, you,
1: you don't say. Uh, the Braves are doing pretty well in recent days, even though they, of course, did not win the World Series last year. That does not mean that the Braves are not going to be very good now, and organizationally, they're run very well from the top down, and that included David Brown, and that will be somebody else stepping up into his place. Um, the bigger news for the Braves was also not exactly unexpected, but it's worth diving into, and that is that Brian Snicker, the longtime now manager of the Braves, uh, added a year to his deal. It's a, it's a new contract extension for Snit that will keep him with the Braves under contract through the end of the 2025 season. He was signed through 24. So it was like this is like they had to do this now. But generally speaking, most managers don't go into the season with a whole lot of, you know, wiggle room. A lot of multi-year contracts are out there. But this is an extra year. They probably have to give him now. And uh, just as a reminder, also, he got a three-year deal after the World Series win, which was, of course, well-earned for Snit. Uh, he's 67 now. He'd be 70 at the end of this extension, which is, uh, you know, part of the calculus here is like, how long does he want to do this? But I'm going to ask you something now that I sort of floated on Twitter, Scott. It feels to me, and I wonder if you agree, it feels to me that barring a complete disaster, like a either like a scandal, which I can't see happening with Brian Snicker, to be honest, or like a weird underachieving for like two seasons straight kind of thing. It feels like he's kind of got the job as long as he wants it. Does that seem like the vibe that you're getting? Oh, yeah. (laughs)
2: Yeah, I mean, he's a World Series winning manager and there's only a couple of those guys actively managing right now. The players love him. You will truly not find a single person in the organization who would say a bad word about Snit. The players like him. I do think he as he has settled into his role, I think he has gotten better in things like bullpen management. He has been really, really good in the playoffs in particular. Uh, Yeah, I, I think to answer your question, something just bizarre, truly bizarre would need to happen. And even then, because of the respect that Snit has throughout the the franchise, I think it would be one of those mutual partings where maybe they would move him to a front office role if they really felt like it was time for a change. But um, it's going to be status quo. I think that the stability that the Braves so badly needed after those couple of tumultuous years, of course, losing Freddie Gonzalez, uh, the John Coppola scandal, Uh, The Braves have an enviable situation with a manager who is beloved and very well liked and then arguably uh, the best GM in the game. Yeah,
1: it's not a bad uh, power structure to go with Anthopolis and Snicker And look, we have not always agreed with everything Snit has done, but I would agree with what you said there about what he has done in the last few years. He has gotten better tactically. I don't think he's ever going to be perfect there. He has some old school tendencies that I'm never going to necessarily love. And look, listen, no manager is perfect. Um, But the fact that his clubhouse management is essentially bulletproof, like he's kind of you know, very much beloved there. He's an organizational lifer. He's been with the Braves for decades and decades. And, uh, you know, he's at the age now where, like, it's not crazy that he's still managing, but it's also, like, almost year to year, it feels like Snip might just be like, all right, that's enough for me. Like, I I thought this last year, if they had won the World Series, maybe he would walk away or something like that. But that's all guessing. Like, I I think he just loves baseball. He loves to do it. So, um yeah, would it's, it surprise me if he if he retired in a year? No, but he, he now has the freedom to stick around as long as he wants to, at least within we'll the next yeah. three seasons while earning uh, probably some pretty good money.
2: Yes. And uh, you know, as long as he's been around to be at the top of a very good ball club, you know, why why would you want to step away? And you just noted he's been in professional baseball for like 40 years now. You know, this is his life. And I know he has his family, his grandkids who are always at the park. Uh, He he very much seems happy in his role. And hey, if the Braves are going to keep winning, keep him around. I'm sure there will come a point in time where, you know, it's time for him to step back. But it really is crazy. I was just thinking about just the status and overall feel of the organization in that 2016 year. The team was so, so bad. They had the awful second half in 2015. Freddie Gonzalez got fired. How did Freddie find out again that he was getting fired? Was it like a Sports Center alert or something like that? I think
1: it was a boarding pass, wasn't it? Wasn't it like he got a flight booked for him and he? It was not to the it was not to the It was like back to Atlanta because they were on a road trip.
2: That sounds right. Yeah, Yeah. and you you think (laughs) you know that was early mid 2016. You flash forward, 2017 was kind of the the first glimpse of some of the young talent that was coming, and then since then, man, the rest is history. It's been a really special team, and um, just quite a quite a last five or six years.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I don't have much to add there. You know, it's just obviously good stability. Just kind of know who your manager is going to be, and have a guy have to be a guy who is beloved around the clubhouse. So, a positive there. And I got it done early in typical Braves fashion, just announced it out of nowhere, no reporting, just one of those things the Braves do on a regular basis. So congrats to Snit for that extra year, and uh, we'll come back to that if we need to in the near future. Um, Other than that, that's kind of it for the news. Uh, There is a little bit of scuttlebutt around the Bally Sports RSNs that could be filing bankruptcy in the near future. It's a topic that, number one, I don't think I'm an expert on. Uh, maybe you are. Um, but it's one of those things where I, it's kind of like we, have, we kind of have to wait and see for details on the Valley Sports RSM thing. It's going to affect fans probably in some way with regard to how they get Braves games. And also, candidly, it could impact the Braves in terms of the money that they spent on the field, because in a worst case scenario, If, you know, let's just say Valley Sports is unable to pay the Braves what they're supposed to be paying them to uh, broadcast their games, that could negatively impact payroll. I don't think it's probably going to happen. Uh, This is also happening in the NBA and also in the NHL. There are some potentially far reaching implications here to all of the local RSN model. And it's not a sports media podcast, although I'm a nerd about this kind of stuff. I can't, I kind of can't wait to see what happens from a outsider perspective, but uh, for now there's some limbo. I'm not sure the Braves are going to be like off the air anytime soon. I think Valley going to be doing the games this year until they're not, or if, if they're ever not, but uh, you know, to keep an eye on that, I would say, especially for someone like Scott, who's not in the market. Um, maybe uh, obviously it's yeah. more easy. It's probably easier for you because you can just fire up MLB, t- MLB TV, but locally it's kind of like you have to have some way to watch the Braves. And right now the only way to do that is Valley.
2: Yeah, it's a fascinating situation. And there were a couple of really good articles. I think the Wall Street Journal had a great one, just kind of outlining how they got to this point. Uh, Almost famously now, Bali purchased the RSNs at like the worst possible time. And then since the cord cutting across the United States has just ramped up dramatically. So they're in some financial shambles. Um, hopefully, you know, let's hope that the consumer, the people tuning in every night are not negatively impacted by the bad business dealings of, of these companies. I I would sure think, I mean, there is such a great interest in the MLB and NBA and NHL. Uh, you know, someone is going to broadcast these games, but yeah, the next year or two or three might get pretty crazy. I saw there was some speculation about a big lawsuit that could be coming Anytime you're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars that are owed, that that of course gets a lot of folks involved. Uh, but I, I'm <laughs> yeah. with you. I, I'm uh, I'm very curious to see where this all goes.
1: Yeah, and we won't go down the rabbit hole all the way, but there are some scenarios where, like the like the leagues will maybe buy their rights back or have some more national way, like kind of getting away from the regional model altogether. Because you know the NFL famously has. And NFL, like a national only model. There is no local TV for NFL, like maybe preseason games and stuff like that, but the, the actual games are all nationally um and held by the league in terms of their broadcast rights. That could happen for the NBA or, or MLB as well. That's one of the possible scenarios. Um Also on the line that we should at least reference, Uh there was extensive reporting, uh, I don't know, a week ago or so, that Chip Carey is not going to be the uh, the TV voice of the Braves anymore. That's not been announced that I've seen, and I am on pretty much every Valley Um, press release list. So I I think there's not been an announcement there. I would imagine part of that is that they don't know who they're going to have in that job and they probably like to do that all at once they probably like to announce who their new person is um we are not going to go all the way into like i know people have their opinions on chip um the way that i put it and probably the way that i'll say it here in an effort to you know i'm in the local media <laughs> i have to see people all the time uh i will say this is this is good news in my opinion for the Braves broadcast on the television side i'm not going to go all the way in but that, that's what i think so you kind of take what you uh believe that i'm saying there for what it is scott if you have anything to add feel free
2: uh nothing to, <laughs> to significantly add. Um, I would just say I in the eyes of broadcasters, I would imagine the Atlanta Braves gig is top six, top eight across the sport. Oh, I mean, it almost it almost has to. I mean, just
1: yeah, it almost has to be. We talked about this all the time, but like the the Atlanta market, if you don't at least the the Braves market, I should say, beyond the Atlanta market, the Braves are a national brand. So yeah, it's plus this, plus the whole Southeast thing. I know you don't live here, Scott, but like it is the team of the Southeast. Everyone kind of knows that. And yeah, I think short of like the Yankees, Cubs, maybe yeah, Dodgers. Dodgers. Yeah. It might might be, I mean, it might be four or five, but like it's not any lower than that. So uh, yeah, it's certainly a great job.
2: Yeah, it is. So let's hope even with the, uh, Bally situation being a little up in the air at the moment, you would sure think that they would be able to come up with decent money to attract a good candidate. I know there are folks locally and nationally who would be a good fit and we'll see. It will be, um, you know, Chip Carey has some of the uh, great calls, right? Like you think about going yep. back, he had the great call for Jason Hayward's first home run. You know, he really thrived, I think, in the big moment, right—the the bottom of the ninth, tie game, bases loaded. I think that's where Chip really shined. The rest of the game, I I could probably <laughs> leave, but um, but no, I mean, best of luck to him. He's going back home to St. Louis. His family has obvious connections there. Um, you know, he's a Midwest guy, so I I can't believe. I mean, Chip was with the Braves for. Fifteen years? Is that right? Something something mean- something
1: like that. And also he was he was briefly with them before that too, because he had come yeah. in um when Skip was still around I mean, I as like kind of like a like a part-time, you know, third uh different thing. So yeah, I think I'm looking now, you know, Skip left St. Louis in 76 and he came with him as a kid basically and then you know grew from there and he's 57 now he came back to Atlanta in 05 is what it said so like that's when he originally joined the broadcast he hasn't been like the guy that whole time but he's been the guy for a long time now and it's uh it's gonna be weird for sure especially for younger Braves fans who I think probably don't remember much before um Chip, just because that's just the nature of the beast. Like, I know we're not the oldest people in the world, but we're not the youngest either. And I'm sure we have listeners that kind of don't remember anything before Chip. So it's one of those uh, interesting things. They have the internal candidates. You know, I think Ben Ingram is, would be great. He's on. He's been on the radio side. That's been a popular name locally. I've not seen really any reporting, like actual public reporting on candidates like there's been like you know lists i know we did one on batterypower.com actually like who would be good candidates but i've not seen like a and I've, been, and I've been looking i've not seen any like real buzz about who it might be so we'll see i know they've had great people come through there it's a it's a high uh high visibility high prestige job in the baseball industry so uh, the only thing that you uh, i know you said it before about the money thing the only there is a school of thought that maybe because of the rsn crunch they maybe don't have a big bag to drop on someone. That's a big name. That might be interesting too. I don't know that to be sure. Like I had, I could ask, but I'm sure they wouldn't tell me. I, I have some friends yeah. that work over there at Valley, so I don't know how uh, they're handling this, but uh, that's somebody at least to keep an eye on. Like if they were to go locally, maybe that's part of it too, but I don't know. It'll be interesting. I'm sure.
2: Yeah. And you know, with Ben Ingram, then you're poaching from radio. So you're, you're robbing Peter to pay Paul. a yeah, little it's bit. Like, it's, then- it's
1: like easier because, you know, yeah. without going all the way into this, like, team team broadcasters are sometimes employees of the team and sometimes not but they're also kind of like implicit employees of the team like if you're on a local broadcast yeah, yeah. in baseball like even if you're not contracted by the team you kind of are it's this weird hybrid model but the radio guys I know are team employees the braves radio network is the Braves radio network they are owned by the braves so like that's a weird one and the TV side's a little bit more strange but yeah so maybe that's that Maybe it might be one of the reasons why Ben would be easier to move to TV. But like you said, you have to replace that guy, too. So um, listen, go ahead and just go ahead and hire Grant McCauley. I'm not trying to get rid of Grant, but Grant would be great.
2: There you go. Put, put Grant on the radio I think, side. Uh, I think Grant would take that gig. What do you think?
1: I, I think Grant, uh, given his, I'm not going to, I'm not reporting this, but given that Grant has been saying publicly for a long time that he'd like to call games, I'd like to see Grant do that. It'd be fun. So uh, that's my idea. Uh, you, you hear it here, uh, <laughs> folks. I will say uh, Ben Ingram to TV, Grant McCauley to radio, call it in, call it a day.
2: Yeah, they also hey. have the stadium PA tryouts going. Oh, of yeah. Course, that's an entirely different conversation <laughs> than, than television, but... I mean, I'm sure they're going to get a bunch of great candidates too. I know they had the booth at fan fest, which was really cool. And then I'm sure they have internally folks from the area who they are aware of who, you know, broadcast even like high school football games or some of the like those small towns have those awesome PA announcers. And, and I'm sure they will have no shortage of, of folks trying out for that gig
1: yeah and that's as someone who does go to some games like it's uh it's notable even on tv you can kind of you can kind of hear that person so that they, they make an impact as well even if they're uh, not as famous as the uh, tv broadcaster might be all right we have some more baseball to talk about in a second with regard to the zips projections which are probably the number one most anticipated projection system rollout that happens each off season we'll get into that in a second and much more but first a word from our sponsors on today's podcast <music>
0: You can find it on the PropG pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Scott, Zips Projections came out this week over at Fangraphs. Our guy, Dan Zimborski, who has been a longtime commenter at Talking Shop and Battery Power. Dan is a mensch. We all love Dan. Um, And he is the the proprietor of Zips. We're going to play a game in a second. Um, which just some over-unders on the projections of whether we go over-under, which is some, just some quick reactions. I'm not going to go crazy deep into this. We have preview content coming in the next few weeks, I promise you. But some broad strokes here from Dan in the write-up for Zips. Uh, one thing was that he said the Braves ought to be one of the teams competing to lead the majors in wins this season, and he wrote that it's an excellent team. And he also said very clearly, Zips believes the Braves have the highest floor of all reasonable contenders. That includes the Mets, Cardinals, Dodgers, Padres, Yankees, Blue Jays, and Astros. So the Braves have the highest floor in baseball, according to Zips. Scott, do you buy that? Because it, it makes sense to me because like they've been playing this well with this kind of a similar core. But it struck me as like, at the yes. very least, notable that he would say that.
2: Yes, I agree. Um, for a couple of reasons. I think the Braves have arguably the highest. It's interesting that that Dan said they have the highest floor of all the contenders. And I I understand that because the one through 26 roster is so deep, but I also think the Braves have just so much Supreme high end talent with guys like Acuna and Riley and freed like truly players who have the ability to win MVP or Cy Young awards. They have multiple of those and most teams are lucky to have one. Yeah, (laughs) It's, it's well said.
1: Um, yeah, it's just it's just interesting to me. Like high floor, high ceiling, really good baseball team. We've kind of all said that, but it's worth just – this is a national objective, tour, objective source. Um, that's all. This is all numbers-based. Like Dan's not putting his thumb on a scale. It's just what the numbers are saying, which is uh, pretty impressive, I think. Um, other like observations here, um, they're relatively high zipses on Von Grissom, which is good to see. He did describe the Braves as, quote, an elite team with a lineup hole, but with players at, in the top tier at catcher, first, third, center field, right field, et cetera, um, it's, a, it's a filthy batting order. But he's he's referring to the lineup hole as left field, not shortstop. So shortstop is not seen as a big question mark by Zips. Obviously, there's some uncertainty there with Grissom with the glove, but the bat does project well, according to Zips. Also, not surprisingly, Zips loves the Braves bullpen as number one in baseball. And they're number one also in steamer projections in the in the bullpen. And they're fairly high on the rotation as well. Um they actually believe that at least they project Anderson and Elder as, quote, legitimate major league starters this year, which is not a small thing. Like just having guys who are legitimate MLB starters is not a bad thing with your like six, seven guys, basically. And then there also might be higher than you think on guys like Allard and Schuster. So I'm not going to go through all the bullpen stuff, but Scott, are you ready to play the game? This should be fun, I think. We're I fun. am ready
2: to play the game, and I would agree about the rotation, and we talked about it on last week's podcast, but... They have some real depth here, and they will need guys to stay healthy, or at least mostly healthy, over the grind of six plus months. But uh, we we outline the battle for the fifth and maybe even sixth starter spot in the spring. Uh, but yeah, as, as you just outlined, the bullpen is awesome, and I'm I'm pretty bullish on the rotation too.
1: Yeah, we're uh, we're pretty high, unsurprisingly. But you know, we don't actually have a reputation for being super. Uh effusive in our praise and we're pretty high on the praise, which is kind of tell everybody something about how good this team could be okay our our quick game if you want not even want to call it that is uh we're gonna just basically i'm gonna tee up scott on over or under the projected Fangraphs war by zips now obviously we're gonna have more on this in the future so we're not, we're not gonna go into any huge depth here but i'm gonna go from uh from bottom to top actually so uh, of the and this is just the key guys. We're, we're not going to do the, the bullpen guys, because honestly, um, it's just too weird to project war for bullpen guys. But uh, basically all of the key bats and starters. So uh, at the bottom of the list, Scott, the lowest projection by a projected regular for the Braves, is Eddie Rosario. Uh, I hope it's an over, Scott. My God, uh, it is. <laughs> it is negative 0.4. Fangraphs war. Please let it be an over, uh, Scott,
2: please. Yeah, Eddie. We will always have October 2021, won't we, we Brad? We um I yeah, I'm I am uh blindly hopeful that he's better. I mean, there was nothing in Rosario's profile from last year. And I know he had the eye surgery, and it's tough to come back in the middle of a year on game like 95 or whatever it was when he returned. But uh boy, left field has me concerned. And to echo what we just said, I am far less concerned about the Braves figuring out shortstop. I just think left field is going to be a dump all year.
1: Yeah. And honestly, one of the reasons why shortstop is less concerning is that if Vaughn Grissom just can't play defense at shortstop, which is possible, they have a major league player there in Orlando Arcia, who I'm not super high on, but he won't embarrass you. Like he's, he's fine. He'll be fine. If they have yeah, to do that, he'll,
2: he'll catch the ball and hit 15 home runs in three games against the nationals <laughs> yeah. and then be perfectly below average the rest of the time. And if the rest of the team is that good and he's just catching the baseball at shortstop, if that's where it goes, I think you take it.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I totally agree. So there's that. Um, that's a positive sign. Okay. So we, we, we agree on the over on Eddie and if it's under then oof. Um, speaking of left field slash maybe DH Marcel Ozuna 1.2, Van Graaff's war.
2: Uh, Under, I just, you know, if um, there were no, again, there were no real encouraging signs offensively last year, you know, even not that you want to take too much away from winter ball, but even there, Marcel, I think he was hitting under 200 across a couple of weeks in one of the the winter leagues. So I'm just, I think that's a, a sunk cost. I I know the one thing on Ozuna that was interesting is in an interview with Jeff Schultz of The Athletic, Alex Anthopoulos was asked about Ozuna and about if Ozuna would be on the team in spring training. And Anthopoulos said, yes, he thought so. And then Schultz asked Anthopoulos if he thought Ozuna would be on the roster at the end of spring training. And Anthopoulos said, we will see. Yeah. So if he has like a bad spring, if he goes out there and goes one for 30 and can't catch a ball... I wouldn't be stunned if they just punt and eat the money because, I mean, they got to pay him either way.
1: Yeah, uh, we we agree there. The under is the only side. Like, I think there's a world where he goes over, but the last two seasons combined, again, even if you ignore everything else, which I wouldn't do, but even if you, even if you ignore everything else, last two seasons, he has combined for negative 0.9 Van Grass war. So there you have it. Um, two guys now, actually three guys in a row now that are young slash uh, unproven in some ways slash uh, question marks. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna group, to group them together. Um, Bryce Elder, 2.2. Vaughn Grissom, 1.9. And Mike Soroka, 1.8. Scott, give me your takes.
2: The takes. Um, you know, that's an encouraging 2.2 on Bryce Elder. Not that projections are...
1: Yeah, it's just like Bryce Elder. They really do, obviously. That's pretty, that's pretty strong.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, for me... I mean, if, if in seven months we're saying Bryce Elder has a 2.2 war, I would be ecstatic. Oh, yeah. I don't think, short of injuries to both Soroka and Anderson, I don't think he's going to get the opportunity to to post those kind of numbers. Uh, it could happen. Or, of course, if one of the big four in the rotation were to get hurt, I would think Elder probably gets the first call. Um, you know, I, I really, really, really am hoping that Mike Soroka can stay healthy. And it sounds like he will be good to go with no restrictions in the spring, which is very encouraging. He's had a normal off season for the first time in forever. Um, I just I want to bet on the talent with Mike and God, let's hope his body holds up. And then the one point nine for Von Grissom seems pretty reasonable. Um, I think the bat is going to be more advanced than the glove. But at shortstop, you don't have to hit a ton in order to be really valuable. And if he can just make the routine plays, maybe he's not Andrelton Simmons or Dansby Swanson there defensively, but if he can make the routine plays and not cost the Braves and then hit for some power, which he flashed last year too, I think they're going to be okay.
1: Yeah, I mean, my, my brain says under on Soroka. My heart says over, if that makes sense. I think Grissom... I would probably lean over right now which is maybe surprising cuz I don't always believe in young guys but I think they're going to give him every chance to win the job and I think if he wins the job and stays in the job he's going to hit enough where he should be all right um elder I would go under although I would agree with you like there's a path for the over but the uncertainty with just getting enough starts to, to accumulate to accumulate 2.2 fangarass war uh, I have to take the under there but uh, certainly a encouraging projection um, the next one's kind of a weird one. Travis Darno is 2.4 Fangraphs WAR, and I'm, I'm going to give you a little help on this one, Scott, because obviously he's not going to play as much as he has played in recent days behind the plate. He might DH more, but last year, Travis Darno sneakily in 107 games, which is not a crazy number had 3.9 fan war. Now that was, that was boosted by defense, but man, uh, that's a lot of war. That's almost double what he's projected. For. Yeah. Yeah. I,
2: you know, I love the situation, with Darno, I think at his age, he's probably, you know, 107 games last year is probably his cap physically at 34 years old. With the amount of mileage that he has on his body, he has had a handful of pretty serious injuries too over the years. But I love this catching setup. Uh, maybe that's, that's not a bold take, but the idea of having Murphy behind the plate, maybe Seventy percent of the time, Darno back there thirty percent, and then I would imagine those two will DH quite a bit, especially Darno. I would take the over on two point four.
1: Yeah, I, I think I would also with the with the knowledge that he probably is going to DH some. Like if he just if he never DHs, then it be it might be pretty hard for him to get there, but. Because I think Murphy's going to play a lot, but I, I assume Darno is going to be, if not the guy at DH, he's going to, you know, have at least what forty starts at DH. More than that, I'm not sure how many it's going to be, but he'll play enough there to where uh, I would lean over as well. And you just hope that he stays healthy and productive because the age, like he could decline at some point. But Travis Darno has been, uh, if anything, we understand. Maybe Braves fans understand how good he's been. The last three or four years, but he has been quite good for a while. And last year was uh, actually his best season of his career by Fangraph's war over a full season. Uh, Part of that's because of just how how much he played, but he was quite good a year ago. Um, uh, This is going to be controversial. I I already saw people mad about this. So when Zips comes out, they tweet out like a a picture graphic. And that does not actually match like player for player what the actual projections are. I'm not sure if you noticed this, Scott, because... They kind of group the position together as the and, and kind of do the collective war for the position, not the individual player. So uh, that's part of this too. But also, uh, I have to say this out loud: people are going to be mad about this. Kyle Wright is projected for less Fangraphs War than Charlie Morton. Assess.
2: Oh, um, <laughs> I would take so for your guy, f-
1: Kyle, Kyle Wright. By the way, we, we, should, we should, if you're new, if you're a new listener, Scott has always loved Kyle Wright. Always,
2: always, Hey, five years in a row of predicting a breakout, you're going to get it right eventually. Um, with, with Kyle, I would take the over on 2.6. Um, I mean, it, last year, maybe he didn't strike out a million hitters and maybe he doesn't have like the flashiest stuff in the entire world, especially compared to Spencer Strider and Max Fried. But I would take the over on right at 2.6. Um, Charlie Morton is interesting because Morton is at 2.9. I am a little worried about his age and the crazy, crazy spike in home runs. Last year, I mean, we we know he he could barely make it through a few innings without giving one up. Um, he, he's an older guy, but clearly the Braves still believe in him. They gave him the $20 million deal. So I, I would probably go over on Wright at 2.6. I'm inclined to go under on Morton at 2.9. But if those two guys have similar seasons overall, I, I wouldn't be stunned.
1: Yeah, I think that there's going to be some, as I was, as you probably heard me laughing. I was, there's going to be some reactions to Wright being projected below Morton. It doesn't actually matter to me. This is, these margins are pretty small. I think that Wright is better than Morton at this point. Even as the resident Charlie Morton advocate, I think Mar- Wright is better. Um, but I will just point out that even in the midst of his breakout season last year, and you can disagree with this all, I, I get it. I'm not saying this is gospel by any means, but Fanagraph's only had Wright as being worth 2.9 more last year. In what was a career season, now he may be able to repeat that, um, but just know that if you're going over on this, he kind of has to repeat that, which is a high bar to clear. Um, I think I still might lean over, but it's not a slam dunk. I would lean under on Morton at two point nine, mostly because of the age. I think if if the number was two and not two point nine, I'd probably lean over. I probably have Charlie in the in the twos, like somewhere. Um, but for him to be over, he has to go to three win range. He's capable of that. You know, two years ago. More was worth four and a half wins in 2021. So, yeah, yeah it's not crazy, yeah. but uh, I he, think I would lean under there too.
2: It just comes down to the home run and oh, yeah. That's it. whether or not pitchers can control home runs. I, I've always wondered about that a little bit. Like, I don't know. It's it's going to be one of the true um, variables, I think, for the starting rotation this year. And then to continue on our list, Brad, I oh. laughed when I saw this. Yep. Uh, Spencer Strider at 2.9. He was at four point nine <laughs> a year ago, and they have him yeah. at two point nine. Like I would bet cash money that he's above two point nine by the All Star break.
1: Yeah, I mean the only—I shouldn't say the only—the the major way Strider would not get there would be injury or like or trouble or whatever. Because, it would have
2: it would have to be an injury.
1: Yeah, I mean, you think it would probably have to be? I'm looking at his numbers now. I think the biggest reason why the number is so low is the innings. He's only projected for 122 innings. That's why. So, like, on a per-inning basis, he is their second-best projection behind Freed pretty clearly. It's just that he's projected for very few innings. And that's – it's not crazy. Like, Zip is just a system. So, like, he's not – Dan's not choosing the innings necessarily. He's probably factoring in a lot of different things. But that is the reason why, because, you know, famously – uh strider had not thrown more than like what 75 innings in a season 80, 80 innings in a season for last year he threw 131 in the regular season last year um it will be more than that if he is healthy this year but that is the reason why i think that it's so low uh but they they basically have him still dominating like as you might expect he's projected for a 3.12 fip um, a 33% strikeout rate, which is just insane. Um, 12.4 strikeouts per, strikeouts per nine, 3.2 walks per nine. So like on a per inning basis, Zips is not disrespecting Special Strider. It might look like it based on the, based on the cumulative number, but he's projected to be quite good by Zips. It's just that yeah. the small innings though.
2: And that's Over. fair. I mean, <laughs> this is not, uh, <laughs> right. This is not in his prime, like Justin Verlander, at least not yet. Who you know has done two hundred innings five years in a row, and you can just kind of bank on it that that is fair. I mean, it, as you noted, it's the innings pitch projection. But um, again, if if he can avoid injury, and I guess we could say this before every single player on this list, but yeah, I, I mean, he was just so good last year, and the stuff is so nasty. I have a hard time if even if he makes let's say twenty five starts, and the Braves are a little. Careful, maybe they skip him, maybe he does get a minor injury of some kind. If he makes 25 starts, I have to think he's going to be somewhere in the in the voting for Cy Young, maybe not win, but he's gonna get votes. Yeah, he
1: was that good last year. This is a good time to also just lay out as a reminder um not to be a total nerd, but projection systems almost always tend to the middle, if that makes sense. So your outlier guys are almost always either under projected or over projected based on where they are and it's because you know averages which is what these what these are supposed to be their projections they are going to bring everything kind of back into the similar range so um you'll see this in a second when we get there but like the highest projected player on the Braves roster is Austin Riley at 4.8 Fangraphs war i think if you ask dan or ask one of us there is a very small possibility that the lowest brave on the war leader board uh, sorry the highest brave on the war leader board has only 4.8 wins like someone on the team is going to be better than that it's just yeah. that projections yeah. are going to bring you down unless you are like Shoei Otani or Mike Trout like ludicrous ridiculous and even then they're not going to project Otani for ten wins, which is probably what he's worth. You know what I mean? It's going to be, it's going to be six, even though everyone knows that's going to be over than that. Just because, like, you factor in injuries or whatever wear and tear, etc. So, like, just keep that in mind too. Like, mostly, I think if you're a fan uh, and looking, at, even in recent data, you're going to lean over on most of your good players, just generally speaking.
2: Yeah, yeah, and you know, projections projections are exactly that right there's no (laughs) bias there's no bias in the computer metrics you know dan it's not like he's a fan of a certain team and he's trying to hype up one team and shoot another team down
1: oh you'll appreciate this actually i'm gonna say this offline i'll I'll just say it now online um one of the one of the first replies to zips i follow the fangraphs account i think it was fangraphs account maybe it was dan um one of the first replies was for a brace fan who uh thought it was pakoda because, you know, famously, F- Pakota hates the Braves. I was the hate the Braves for like a five-year period. They were always too low on the Braves. Yeah. Uh, and there were reasons for that or whatever. But um, Dan was like, guys, it's I'm not Pakota. Like, even though I might be too low on the Braves, sometimes, like, Pakota is the one. So it's, it's one of those things, like, er- people are a little sensitive, especially Braves. And I get, I get why. Like, we talked about it every year, this entire run. But there were several years in a row where the Braves were under-projected compared to what their results were. And if that happens you can imagine the team's fan base is going to like, you know, inch by inch, get a little bit less uh, trusting of projections. And I get it. I get why, especially, if, especially if you're always overachieving them and uh, it's a great place to be, but it also doesn't mean that they're, that they're worthless. And I think Zips is my favorite one. I'll just be upfront about that. But I, I think it's just noteworthy and interesting and also comparatively, like what, that's what I'm looking for. It's not necessarily the projected win total, or whatever. It's like, how do they stack up against other teams? And the Braves are could be good. It seems. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that's well said.
1: All right. Uh let's finish this out with the uh with the top guys. Uh I will just say a bunch of names now. There's here's three more position players in a row. Ozzie Albies, 3.2. Sean Murphy, 3.8, and Matt Olson, 4.2. I said this. I will answer before I give you I give you one more time. My number one overbet, unsurprisingly, would be Ozzie Albies over three over three point two. Ozzie Albies, if he ever plays a full season, has ever been has always been above that number, so I will take the over on Ozzie obviously
2: Yeah, I like that, and I'm really looking forward to watching Sean Murphy. Um, and I, I like that deal more and more as we've had time to kind of really evaluate it. I think he's going to do wonders for the team defensively behind the plate because, admittedly, one way to attack the Braves in recent years was being hyperactive on the base paths, assuming you have the personnel on your roster, and then for Matt Olson. You know, quietly, with everything going on last year, he put up a really nice season. Maybe not the unbelievable season that folks were hoping for, especially after that really, really hot start that he had. But I am curious to see overall for his offensive profile, the reduced shifting, the fact that teams can't move their third baseman to shallow right field anymore, the fact that you can't overload one side i think it's only going to help someone like olson who i believe saw the third highest shift rate in the majors last year maybe he's not going to be a guy who's going to go out there and hit 300 but i can't imagine the lack of shifting is going to hurt him at all
1: no it will not it will if anything it will help him that i we we agree on that so yeah i would uh, i'd lean probably over on olson murphy's tough it's catcher it's defense Like his, we talked about it before. His his bat is not like going to blow you away, I don't think. But as as long as he's healthy, there's no reason that he's not going to be an awesome defensive catcher. And uh, catcher value is very very helpful to WAR projections. Last year was 5.1 WAR for Murphy. He could be worse than that, obviously, and still go over this number. So I lean over there as well. Uh, Max Freed is the number one starter, unsurprisingly, at 4.3. Fan Graphs War, and I, I I should have checked this before we recorded. I have to imagine that's probably one of the top ten marks in the league for a pitcher. Like it, that's that, that's a very high projection. It may not seem like a crazy high number, but uh that would be just for comparison's sake. That'd be Freed's second best season of his career if that were to happen.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just such a joy to watch Max pitch the way he has evolved. Thinking back when he was coming out of the bullpen there for a year and really learned how to attack hitters, I would take the over on four point three. He's been so good. He's been really, really durable. And in the middle of his prime, I I think it was almost under the radar that he finished second place in Cy Young voting last year. I think everyone knew that uh, Sandy Alcantara was going to win it. But uh, yeah, all all aboard the Max Fried train and uh, just again, watching his development has been awesome.
1: Yep, I uh, agree. There' nothing else to add. And the top three are all position players. Uh, I spoiled it earlier, but Austin Riley has the highest projection at 4.8. Ronald Acuna at 4.5. And Michael Harris, year two, 4.4. That is, I know I just said all this stuff about projections, that is a ridiculously high number. And I'm not saying that in, in a way that it's not, that it's out of line. It's just a, that's a testament to how good Michael Harris is. For him to be playing less than a full season and be projected for 4.4 FanGraphs war in his second season, that's outrageous. He's really good, man.
2: Yeah, I mean... When we talk about war, something that folks should keep in mind or probably know is that speed, but in particular defense, is really valued, and especially at premium positions like center field. So it is a lofty number, but I think just based on Harris's glove alone and the way that he can run the base paths, like he's going to be a super valuable player just from those two things alone. And then we saw last year as a 21-year-old rookie, he can really hit. I wouldn't be shocked if Harris's offense comes down a little bit. He did outperform a little. If you look at some of his advanced metrics and his batted ball data. But I mean, just I I pulled up Ender and Ciarte for comparison's sake, right? Ender was a below league average hitter for three years in a row with the Braves. All right. You're talking about like a 720, 730 OPS. And we know how good defensively Ender was. And his war in those years were 4.7, 3.7, and 3.4. Michael Harris is a much better hitter than Ender Inciarte is. So um, it's just, it's a testament to how good he was as a rookie. And the, that combo of his offense and defense is just so valuable.
1: Yeah, we had a running joke in the early days of this podcast about Ender Inciarte and his 200 hit season and how, there was a segment of Braves fans that just thought he was this great hitter and he never was, but he was also still underrated because his defense was so good. And that's kind of you know, Harris, I agree with you all the way across the board. I think the defense at his age, like, will he be this defender for 12 more years? Probably not. But at 21, it's not like he's gonna get worse defensively this year. He's gonna be good. Uh the bat, I yeah, I would take the under on last year's production at the plate, but I also would say that he's still gonna be a positive hitter, like for instance. Zip has Harris projected for like a 110 OPS plus, and that's not going to blow you away. But if he does that, plus his glow, that's like a four or five win player. And that's where we are. That's why the projection is what it is. Um, So yeah, I would probably, if you made me choose, uh, maybe take the under, but only because four, 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 four wins is so so many wins. Like, and for year two. So I think he could be six and I wouldn't be surprised. He could be three and a half. I wouldn't be surprised, but uh, that's a heck of a number. Uh, Ronald, by the way, is the one that, um, over. I have to, yeah, I mean, we we're already in agreement on this that Ronald's going to have a breakout, a second breakout, or whatever you. I, I don't want to say that he's already been a superstar. He seems to be fully healthy by all accounts. He looks great. Um, and he's the rare player that could put together a ten-win season. I'm not saying he's going to do that, but there are only probably you know how many guys would you say, Scott, off, off the top of your head, are capable even of putting together a ten. War mm. seasons. Like
2: there might be 10 mm. in the league. Oh, I was going to say like four or five. Yeah, I
1: mean, I, I was being yeah. optimistic maybe, but like, yes. Ronald's, I mean, on, that, Ronald's on that list. Yeah. yeah Trout.
2: Trout Tony Aaron Judge. Um, yeah. You know, maybe maybe Mookie Betts. I mean, he almost did it once. Um, yeah. Ron Soto, but his defense has been up and down. I mean, part of the the thing with war as we i said a few minutes ago you know defense plays a large large part of the of the equation i think sometimes a little bit too much but um you know ronald is the the total package as people know and his ability to be both a really good defensive outfielder especially now that his knee is going to be more healthy than it was 6 months ago and then the bat i mean it, we know what the the sky is the limit for him
1: yeah and I, and i will say I'm not. I will never project him to be a, a, a even an eight win player, much less a ten win player in a season. But it's the combination of those things, and well, if that's something to keep an eye on this year, but we'll talk about the bat all the way through. We always do. His bat is ridiculous. We saw that in 2020 when he had a ridiculous season. In 2021 before he got hurt. But last year, his defense did slip, and I think we attributed that to the knee, rightly so. I'll be intrigued to see how he ages defensively. I don't think he's gonna be bad at any point. But he may not be a great defender, which might cap his upside some. But yeah, I think that I would still take the over on Ronald pretty easy uh at that at that number if you made me choose. Riley is a much more straight ahead evaluation. Like we kind of know what Austin Riley is in a good way. I think the defense is what it is, but the bat is really good. Um he basically his projection is 4.8. That's right in the middle of his last two seasons, which is pretty appropriate, I think. Like I don't I think I might lean under, but like I, I wouldn't touch it either way. I think it's like the yeah. right projection for him, which is he, awesome.
2: <laughs> yeah. I Power mean, player. we know the the bat is going to play. I mean, he's one of the best hitters on the planet defensively. I mean, everybody is conflicted, right? Some of them think he's fine. Some of them think he's horrible that again, not to beat a dead horse. That it's is in the middle somewhere. It's a large part of, of how war is calculated. But um, again, man, I mean, this list to wrap it up is just so impressive. We talked earlier about the mix of both floor and, and ceiling. I think defensively, they're going to be really, really good again. The pitching staff has awesome stuff across the board. I mean, this is, even if there's a question at shortstop and maybe not a great answer at left field in the moment, um, I can't imagine if we went through the other 29 Zips projections that there would be many, I mean, if any, that you would confidently say is better than this group.
1: No, and and Dan wrote that to bring it full circle. Like he wrote it multiple ways about you know calling the Braves an excellent team, talking about how loaded the lineup is, talking about how good the bullpen is and rotation is, and they don't have any collective like sectional weaknesses. Like yes, left field is not very good, shortstop could be a question mark, but look, they don't have a lot of questions overall on this roster. Does that mean they're going to win the championship or win the World Series and however you want to say that, win the division? No, but they're going to be good unless something just weird happens. And look, maybe, maybe this year is the year the Mets don't blow a lead and they win 105 games. Like that, That's possible too, but the Braves are going to be very good. They're going to be right there. We all kind of know that we'll have our predictions and stuff as the next couple of months go on before the season, before the season starts. But uh, yeah, a nice little, uh, bit of encouragement from a unbiased national numbers based source that just says, Hey, by the way, the Braves are awesome top to bottom. So we kind of already knew that, but it never hurts to see it again.
2: Yeah. Uh, The NL East is going to be a ton of fun this year. I mean, fun and also stressful because you get the feeling that you're going to have potentially three teams that win 90 games. We'll see. How good the Phillies are! I mean, not to bring up bad memories, but they (laughs) just—they were a fine team in the regular season last year, and then just got hot for a couple of weeks. I mean, you know that's happened before in baseball. It's going to happen again. They won't have Bryce Harper for the first three or four months, but um, they—they added Trey Turner, who is the nemesis, and then we know the Mets are going to just spend whatever they can to to put a winning product on the field. Uh, But uh, the NL East is going to be a bloodbath for all of our like mental and heart health. Maybe the Braves don't start out horribly again. So they get to a point where they need to win like every night in order to keep pace, but nonetheless, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun.
1: Yeah. And uh, I would certainly uh, endorse the Braves not starting as poorly as they did last year. That would certainly be better for the content. It would be better for all of our souls. Like just as a reminder the Braves started 23 and 27 a year ago, that would be not great again, but alas, they were great after that. And here we are. All right, Scott, we promised a shorter podcast and, and of course, delivered a 50-minute normal size podcast because that's what we do on this show. Anything to plug on the way out? I know uh, you're really excited about the, about the Jeff Saturday era in Indianapolis, but besides oh. that, feel free to share anything <laughs> you like.
2: <laughs> yeah, football, man. Good times. Should be a good Super Bowl. I might go up to the Phoenix area and that weekend. Oh, I mean, yeah. It's gonna be, you
1: know, I didn't even think about it being down the street. I guess not down the street, like pretty close to you, we should
2: say. Kind of down the street, Yeah. yeah um might go up there just for the festivities i saw the uh last row in the upper deck is currently going for forty seven hundred dollars a piece so, so you're going that's what you're saying yes that podcast money baby it's it's a luxury um yeah it'd be cool just to be around um but no i mean thanks everybody we appreciate you checking us out another couple of weeks we'll have pitchers and catchers and then we do have like i feel like spring training takes forever it does like forever and then another week because of how early guys show up. And then those first couple weeks of games where batters go up there and stand there for one plate appearance and then go golf the afternoon. But um, yeah, we're, we're excited. Have some good content on the site. Be sure to check out that minor league prospect list, as we mentioned at the top of the show and who knows, maybe we'll get a, an early February signing or trade. I mean, I think there's still the possibility for some action, I, I mean, I, I'm not betting on anything, but it wouldn't be a shock to see the, the front office go out and add somebody to the mix.
1: Yeah, we answered some questions on our last show with you and I a week ago, and that's still very relevant um, on this podcast feed. But uh, be- beyond that, uh, yeah, the spring training thing is very interesting. Like the first game that counts for the Braves is two months from, well, I guess today, if people listen to this podcast on Monday, it'll be two months from today. Uh, the 30th of March is the opener. That's a long time from now. So like there's this wave of excitement when pitchers and catchers report and I'm the same way and that lasts like three days, if that. And then it's like, all right, spring training is going to happen for the next six weeks and it takes, takes a long time. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> right. we'll all hang around and we'll do our our preview content and uh, hope you will join us for all, the, all of it. So please uh, subscribe to this podcast feed, uh, wherever you listen to your podcast, especially places like Apple and Spotify. And we're on Google play and stitcher and overcast all those fun places. You can follow Scott where on Twitter, Scott, please share with people.
2: Scott Coleman, 55 for all the, I'm currently binging Sopranos. I've seen it a couple of times. I'm hitting the people with some Sopranos hot takes. Sopranos takes
1: and office takes is what you're going to get from Scott. And uh,
2: Arizona Wildcats basketball hot takes. I know Michigan's not having a great year, Brad. I'm sorry.
1: They are not. That's that's okay. I deserve that at the end of the season. But, no, it's uh, Paul Scott, I would say. Paul Scott. Um, also, read <laughs> BatteryPower.com for uh, all Braves content as uh as well as probably this podcast. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you certainly can. Uh, a lot of Hawk talk right now in the middle of the season. But uh, at BT Roland if you'd like to join the party over there and uh yeah listen spread the word for us we thank you for listening to the podcast enjoy your february which is going to be beginning very very soon we'll have more content on this feed coming up this week with sean coleman and i believe steven and chris will get back together in the near future and then scott and i'll be back in the near future as well so thanks for listening everybody subscribe to the podcast see you all next time